Good morning. You're listening to K Tahoe, the new 961 and AM 590. It is time for The Bright Side with Alexis Robin. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. It's a beautiful day. We've had some beautiful extended days in September. I feel Been like summer's, summer's gone a little longer for us this year. And today's the first day of fall, I believe. Is it really? I think so. We're going to have to check that. I think you check that while I'm talking I'm about sure cultivating play and rest. Well, I like play and rest. So uh, today we're on week seven of Brene Brown's uh, guideposts of wholehearted living. And we are, this comes from her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, Letting Go of Who You Think You're Supposed to Be and Embracing Who You Are, Your Guide to a Wholehearted Life. And today we're talking about cultivating play and rest and letting go of exhaustion as a status symbol and productivity as self-worth. I like it. Yeah. So now I have, um, I have a lot of clients and I have, and myself have been somebody who has, you know, kind of thought that exhaustion was a status symbol. You know, I'm so busy. I'm so important. I've got so much going on, you know, and now I'm just exhausted. And every, when I catch myself kind of puffing up around doing so much it's a reminder a huge red flag like whoa sister you are out of alignment with your wholehearted right life so um so that's an important thing and we have gotten into this uh lifestyle of just productivity productivity and this is you know the more i do the better i am and um and we've kind of made our lives about like okay scratch out anything that was fun or rejuvenating because that's not productive people <laughs> if it's not making money you know or saving the world or something you know let's get rid of it so um so in this book uh Brené talks about how when she's doing her research she starts you know hearing this people are talking about this thing and she says she feels like an alien, right? She says, I just don't even, you know, I didn't know what they were talking about. It's, it's some kind of like they, they fool around a lot. And her friend said, well, what, like a hobby or sports? And she says, well, you know, kind of, but less organized. And she says, and over time she realized, you know, oh my gosh, it's play. Like they're playing. And they talk about the, the definition of play as, um, you know, the, doing something just for doing it and there's no purpose in it, mm-hmm. right? So you do it for the fun of doing it. You're not doing it because it's a means to an end. And she quotes the work of Dr. Stuart Brown. He's a psychiatrist and a clinical researcher um, and he founded the National Institute for Play. So if you're interested in the science that backs this up, because a lot of people say like, oh, play is not important, you know, blah, blah. That's just a crazy myth. Well, there's some science behind it. You can look up Mr. or Dr. Stuart Brown. Um, but he wrote a book called Play, How It Shapes the Brain, Opens the Imagination, and Invigorates the Soul. I don't know about you, but I'm totally in for shaping my brain, opening my imagination, and invigorating my soul. So as I would suggest you try. I need some vigor. Yeah. So he talks about... Um, basically how um, there's seven properties of play and that at first this it's this idea of purposeless it's you know it basically means we play for the sake of play we do it because it's fun so when you think about um, how much we have to do and how little time we have and we're in this always in the scarcity like there's not enough time there's not enough time so the thought of doing something just for the fun of doing it feels very kind of wasteful mm-hmm. um, and so um, but Brene in this chapter, she talks about um, how Dr. Brown 
argues that play is not an option. And he writes that the opposite of play is not work. The opposite of play is depression. That is probably very true. So, um, and he talks about how respecting the biologically programmed need for play can transform work and it can bring back excitement and newness to our job. Um, it can help us deal with difficulties. It can also provide us with a a sense of expansiveness. So kind of an opening, it can uh, promote mastery of our craft and it's an essential part of the creative process. So it's really, um, When you think about working, 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 all work, no play, it really doesn't work in the end. There needs to be both, and there's some rejuvenation. Now, what she found in her research, what um, Brene Brown found in her research, is that there's a lot of correlations between lack of play and lack of sleep. So you've heard me rant about sleep. I mean, I am a huge fan of sleep. Eight hours plus a night is what you need for your body to work at its um, most productive level. And when we're not sleeping, according to the CDC or the Centers for Disease Control, insufficient sleep is associated with a number of chronic diseases. So you've heard me say this before, but um, she also highlights it in this uh, guidepost number seven. And things like diabetes, heart disease, obesity, and depression are things that are associated directly with insufficient sleep. And you think about how many of us are getting less than seven hours of sleep a night and then bragging about it. Oh, I only sleep four hours a night. Naps are for suckers. You know, it's like people, we are animals. Our bodies are are living, breathing things and we need sleep. Yep. We need sleep to be able to um, rejuvenate and rest and recover um, as well as heal. So, um, so it's, we have to be careful about these kind of internal messages that we give ourselves, you know, sleeps for suckers, napping is for sissies, what, you know, the more we do, the better we are, the bigger, more important people we are, that kind of thing. And so, um, pushing through without any sleep or play is a dangerous game. And she, Brene Brown argues that we're a nation of exhausted, overstressed adults raising overscheduled children. (laughs) And that we're using our spare time desperately to search for joy and meaning in our lives. And so really, we could have it um, if we were just not so overscheduled. And so um, we think oftentimes that these accomplishments and acquisitions or purchases are going to bring us joy, um, but they could be the very thing that's keeping us so tired and afraid to slow down because we need more money to buy more things that supposedly will bring us more joy. (laughs) Right? It's kind of a vicious circle. Yes, it is. So she talks about um, this activity that she did with her family. And it's actually great. I'm going to do it with my family. But you think about when things are going really well in your family, and that might just be, you know, you if you're a single person living on your own. So when things are going really well in your life, or it might be you and your husband because you're an empty nester, or you and your wife, it might be you and your partner, Um, it might be you and your parent that lives with you and your children that you have or what, or what have you. But when things are going really well in your family, what does that look like? Mm 
and, you know, list those qualities of what does it look like when things go really well. And some of the things that, um, that they listed in their family were things like good sleep, working out, healthy food, cooking, times off, weekends away, going to church, being present with their kids, uh, a sense of control over their money. And so all these different things, like, so what is it that makes you feel like um, things are going really well? What does that look like? Then what she did is she pulled it out and she looked at her dream list that she had written. And they noticed that everything on the dream list was associated with an accomplishment or an acquisition. And everything required that they make more money and spend more money. (laughs) And I thought, well, that's interesting. So, you know, kind of going back and thinking about things. um, Years ago, I read a great book by Matthew Kelly called The Dream Manager. And he had a great outline in the back of the book for uh, making a dream list. But in there, it was there was a section for material things, which is where you put like remodel my kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, buy a bigger house, whatever, own, you know, 10 suits from theory, diamond <laughs> earrings, whatever you put in there. And but then there were all these other dreams that you could have too, which were things around wellness and psychological dreams and, um, educational dreams and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of neat. So, um, so they realized that, um, when they compared the two lists by letting go of the things they wanted to accomplish and acquire, they'd actually be living the dream, which was their ideal life that they had made from this, um, list of what was going really well in their family when things were going really well. So, um, So, but the thing is, is it's not super easy and she does talk about this and I want to talk about this for a minute because, you know, I've been trying since working on the show and reading these books, I've been really thinking about like, oh, how do I become more wholehearted? How do I become more, um, you know, be a little more lighthearted, have a little bit more fun, be less serious, all those kind of things. And there's a balance to strike because like this weekend we did tons of fun stuff and it was great. But then the whole family was a train wreck (laughs) on Sunday night. We were all exhausted. We were tired. And so that's the realization where it's rest and play, right? So it's not like play, play, play as a being productive or as an accomplishment, right? It has to be equally balanced with rest. So, um, so when you're thinking about creating that, just know that you're going to experiment you might play a little too much and then be really tired. Um, same thing with our kids. We schedule them for soccer, which they love, and gymnastics, which they love, and Girl Scouts, which they love, and you know, and archery, which they love. And suddenly your kid is scheduled every minute of every day, and yeah. there's no downtime. And so, um, and then they're dealing with exhaustion. And even though you're coming from a good place of trying to sign them up for things that you know that they'll love. So here's what I would say to try. Take, you know, take the time to sit down and make a list of like, what do we, what happens? What does it look like when things are going really well in our family? Or what, what does it look like when things are going really well for me? And write that down and then notice what you need to do to get more of that. Is it more rest? Is it more play? Is it a little bit more of both? And then another thing that you can do that she suggests and that I love is to cross something off your list, you know, detach from something. This is also an essentialism technique by Greg McEwen, but detach from uh, an obligation. And those are a couple ways that you can make space for more play and more rest. 
So this is guidepost number seven, Gifts of Imperfection. I'm Alexis Robin. You can find out more about us at plinkcoachingcenter.com. You can also go on and comment on the show or suggest new shows on our Facebook page, which is the Positivity Link. And you can download our app. Which is fun, which has this radio show on it. So if you caught it halfway through and you want to hear the beginning, uh, go ahead and look for it on our podcast. You have it all. We do. So next, yeah, so next week we're talking about cultivating calm and stillness, letting go of anxiety as a lifestyle. So tune in for guidepost number eight. We're not supposed to be anxious? No. (laughs) We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Thanks, Jan. You've been listening to Alexis Robin with The Bright Side here on K Tahoe.